Passover is 30 and this is 31. Um, thanks, Brad. All right, so we don't say this every week, um, but we're about to start a three-year series at Antioch Brighton. Right, you thought that eight-week series was long? Yeah, it was long. Three. Um, <laughs> we're committing to 36 weeks spread out across three summers in three years to get through the entire book of Romans one tiny piece at a time. Um, so let's talk about why we're going to do that, and let's lay a framework for that being us this morning, okay? Um, now, two things that I'm hoping you'll walk away from this. Um, number one, I want to cause you to be hungry for the Word of God. And number two, I want to get you ready to receive a framework for knowing who God is and what God does in greater measure through the way we're going to get into Romans this summer, next summer, and then next summer. All right. So I, I want you to become hungry for the Word of God. And so I was reflecting on this concept while I became hungry for something else. Uh, can you put my slide up there, Sam? There we go. Yep, right there. Now, I, every Friday, if you've ever had a Friday meeting with me, I suggest that this is be your meeting location. Um, every Friday I eat at Burger King, and the internet knows. And at times other than Friday, they want to create a hunger inside of me. They Just like I desire to put a hunger in you to know the word of God, they want to put a hunger inside of me for chicken sandwiches. And the way that they do it is by putting pictures of chicken sandwiches around me all the time. I'm listening to Pandora. Nothing to do with food. How about a chicken sandwich? I'm driving down 93. They're like, chicken sandwich? Right? What is it that they are attempting to do? They're trying to show me something I might desire. If they had the power to do so, they would put chicken sandwich smell in my life somewhere. I want to do the spiritual equivalent of what Burger King does to me, to you. I want to cause you to hunger for the word of God. I don't know, I don't know how to buy ads on your Pandora system. I would like to do that. You know, like, you know, let's listen to this. And it's like, Romans? How about Romans? You want to get into Romans? That would be nice if I could do that to you. Um, maybe a little invasive. Um, it's not really our church's M.O., um, but I, I have a real desire that you would become more and more hungry to know God. And specifically, that you become hungry for the word of God as an avenue for knowing him more, right? And uh, <clears throat> so, like, uh, we come together on Sunday mornings principally to worship Jesus, right? That's what the body of Christ, the church, is for. Worshiping Jesus. But one of the other things that we do in this place is we learn about who God is, right? And so this this journey, right, this process of knowing who God is and what he does, a technical term for that is theology. It's the study of God, right, who God is and what God does. Now, I'm not going to, like, mail around a textbook with theological facts. I'm not going to do that to you, although you can get one yourself. They're not cheap. Um, they just look fun, though. Um, but we're going to get into theology, who God is and what God does. Because we need to understand the one that we worship, right? We don't just want to wander around aiming worship randomly off in different directions. We want to worship the specific God of the Bible revealed to us in the person of Jesus. 
And you want to worship him for the things that he did in history, is doing right now, and has promised that he will do in the future, right? And so if that's true, then we need a strong and accurate theology. And that theology is going to come from the word of God. Now, the book of Romans, many scholars agree, I'm not a scholar, but I have read it. Uh, Many scholars agree that the book of Romans gives us one of the best sources, one of the most condensed sources of understanding in the New Testament era, who is God and what is he doing. So today, that is what we're going to dig into. Uh, But first, let's ask the question, what's the deal? Why Romans? There's a lot of things we could have said there, right? Um, But yeah, so theology is one reason. And the second one is, um, if we can understand Romans, the whole rest of the Bible is going to make so much more sense. Right? The Bible is the word of God, but I'll be the first to admit, it can be really confusing to read. There's a lot of things in it that are 2,000 years old. Some things in it are four or 6,000 years old. Okay? It will require some context to understand it. Now, I will also say, the Bible is a book that was written to be understood by people with no additional context. Right? You can open any page of it, begin reading, and God's word, God's word will be revealed to you without special knowledge. And that's what's happening here. But if you can understand more of what's happening in the book of Romans, it will open up an understanding of what happens in the Old Testament and in the rest of the New Testament. So that's why we're going to take three years through the Bible. And we're calling it Three Summers in Rome, right? Not about tiny cars and tiny cups of coffee. It's about understanding who God is and what he does getting a deeper place in the Bible, in a way that makes a ton of sense. All right, and um, I'm, I'm going to say one more thing. Um, there's a preacher somewhere in the Midwest named Mike Schickel, and I listen to lots of Mike Schickel sermons um, because he's, he's fired up. And one thing Mike Schickel says is that if you find Christians who are bored and tired, right, if you find Christians who are bored and tired, there is a good chance that they have that, that, that they have also given up the practice of reading the word of God slowly and attentively, right? And what is, what is Mike, Mike Ickelway saying? He's saying that, like, if you find Christians who've just gotten really bored of the Christian life, it may be rooted in this idea that they've given up the simple practice of reading through the word of God, getting, getting God's word into them in a way that's slow enough that they're hungry places that they have to really be open to. If that's just you, what God is showing you about how life works, that's just going slow enough and engaging, going slow enough that you can engage with tenderness in the Bible in a way that you soak in the context. Um, Mike Ickle is really good preacher. Um, and uh, a couple years ago, I used this illustration, so I'm just going to use this one. Um, it's like making grilled cheese, okay? Put some bread on, you know, a little butter on each side, and it's easy to eat because you're hungry, right? Nothing like checking your phone, and like, you come back in the kitchen with the smoke alarm going off, right? Because suddenly your grilled cheese is really hot. It's getting, you know, it's getting carbonized and stuff like that. Why is that happening? The, the Word of God takes a little bit of time to cook, okay? It's not instant gratification. It's gratification, okay? So <laughs> gear yourself in for a long-term process of going slow in the Word of God. Engaging tenderly with the Bible um, and using tenderness in the process. All right. So today, in order to empower you to get a lot out of Romans, I'm not going to preach Romans at you. 
I'm going to teach the Lord, yield out our life part. Um, actually, for most of the year, it was a story Paul Scripture teaches. I'm not going to put on my teacher hat. You know, if I'm going to teach it for like 18 months, I'll probably just teach Paul. But I'm going to put it on and teach you guys about Romans as a book of the Bible. So that as we, you know, for the next 11 sermons this summer, and then the 24 sermons in the two years after that, uh, we're going to pay dividends by understanding more of what is happening in Romans in a way that helps us to read it well. Now, first of all, Romans is an epistle, right? It is an, an ancient letter, and it was written by this guy, Paul, to the church in Rome. Now, uh, what is an epistle? So an epistle is an ancient letter that was written from one person to another. Uh, they didn't have email. They didn't have any other easy way of communicating. They wrote letters. And what's cool about epistles is um, they were read out loud and passed from church to church. Okay? So you'd write an epistle to Rome, and Rome, the Roman church wasn't like some huge congregation. It was a bunch of house churches. And so these epistles would be like, it'd be like passing some cool worship song around town. Life Group College Band, you know? Everybody experiences it in a discreet way, right? So that's how epistles were read in the ancient world. Usually, epistles were written for two reasons. Not more reasons, but usually, they were written either for solving a problem, a theological problem, a conflict or fight in the church. Yes, it only took us a couple years for the Acts to become part of Christianity. Uh, we didn't invent that. Um, so they all either were written for solving problems, or they were written to make introductions and encourage other believers. Okay? Very simple. Now, it just so happens that about 10 days ago, I received an epistle written to us as a church, um, which is kind of cool. Uh, this epistle was written to us from uh, Danny Pierce, who's the pastor of Antioch Community Church Quincy. He used to be the family uh, zone coordinator here at Brighton. And he's writing to introduce to us Rosie Hoare, who is going to come on staff and be our new Young Adult Coordinator. So you get to meet her. She's going to preach on June 19th. Yeah, you can read the letter. Now, this is uh, the first letter of Danny to the Brightonians, and in epistle trick tradition, I'm going to read it aloud at our church. Here's what it says. <clears throat> Dear Antioch Brighton family, I would like to take a moment to commend Rosie to you as a dear sister in the Lord. While you already know her, I'd like to highlight three areas where you will find Rosie to be an enormous blessing to you and your family. Number one, Rosie is a great friend. Rosie will care about you, not your job title or your role or your effectiveness or accomplishing tasks. Rosie will delight in the unique ways God has created you and your whole family. In the midst of all the craziness of ministry, Rosie doesn't lose sight of the fact that people are what matter, and she is a wonderful friend to those around her. Number two, Rosie is a great teammate. I have never known Rosie to be selfish or consider her own responsibilities to be more important than anyone else's. With Rosie on your team, you'll find her to be supportive and eager to help, contributing to your success more than her own. She will get excited about your ideas and do what she can to see them come to fruition. Rosie is a woman of faith. Rosie believes with her whole heart that our Heavenly Father is actively working in and through His people. As we all know, there are many times in ministry where we feel as if we are getting nowhere and we're tempted to doubt what true transformation looks like. I encourage you to lean on Rosie's gift of faith during those difficult times because the Lord has blessed her with faith to move mountains. There is much more I could say, but I would hate to rob you of the joy of this moment. I am praying for you all, knowing that the Lord has blessed you by bringing Rosie onto my team. And they blessed Rosie through you as well. Your brother Danny. 
Okay, cool, right? Now, this is an epistle ready to introduce Rome to us. The book of Romans, there's a component where it it talks about theology, but the other purpose of the book of Romans is to introduce Paul to the Romans. So it's, it's an introduction of who he is and how he is, right? He can't, like, send them a request on LinkedIn. That didn't exist in the first century, okay? It, it was an introduction. This is how the social fabric of the church was being put together through these epistles and introductions, right? And so keep in mind our introductory epistle to Rosie as we read the book of Romans, which is introducing Paul and Paul's theology of the church um, to the Romans. Okay. Um, <clears throat> now, let's start with a bigger context. Uh, Morgan, would you be willing to come up and help me? Uh, Morgan did a great job helping me with this whole whiteboard stuff uh, a week ago. All right. All right, so, again, Paul is giving us theology. He's introducing himself, and he's introducing the theology that he's going to teach when he visits Rome. All right, talking about Jesus, talking about sin, morality, talking about salvation and human nature, talking about Jewish ethnic identity and Gentile identity, uh, what he belongs to one family in Jesus. Now, all right, let's start with a map. There's not enough maps at church, right? All right. Now, we're going to map out three different things. The first is the early history of Christianity, the early history of the church. The second uh, is the early history of Paul. We used to be called Saul. And then we're uh, also going to talk about the early, you know, the, the, the important events in the life of Jesus. So let's start with Jesus, right? Go ahead, Mark 15. All right. Um, Jesus was born in Jerusalem, right? Let's end with Jerusalem. Great. All right, Jesus was born in Jerusalem. Now, almost everything important in the early history of Christianity happened in Jerusalem and in the, the general area nearby, right? So uh, Jesus was born in Bethlehem near Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus died in Jerusalem, was resurrected, buried in Jerusalem. Uh, but uh, the day of Pentecost, right, happened in Jerusalem, all right? Um, now, in the early part of the church, something happens that is a big wake-up call for us, and then the church begins to spread out a little bit. People are in different tribes, right? And so then the early history of the church begins to include Damascus and Antioch, these two cities that are nearby, right? Now, one thing that happens during this phase where Christianity is spreading out to Damascus and Antioch is this guy, this Jewish rabbi named Saul— is persecuting the church. And now the church has spread to Damascus, and so he's got to go up all the way up there to start persecuting the church. While he's traveling there, he has a supernatural encounter with Jesus, right? Which is in and of itself a wild encounter. But even more wild, this Jewish rabbi, whose whole job is to support the ethnic identity of Jesus, God's people, receives a calling from Jesus that his job is to reach all Gentiles with the promise that they will know God. Right, that happened in Damascus, what is beyond us, right? Okay. Um, now, here's the interesting thing. Uh, Paul spends some time figuring out his deal. Uh, how, who am I? How do I follow Jesus? And then he ends up in Antioch as a particular rabbi, right? Now, um, Antioch is the big letter A. Our own ancient biblical namesake. Um, there's a prayer meeting in Antioch, and the Lord says to this church, I want you to send Paul and this other guy, Barnabas, uh, out as missionaries. Now, they go to a couple places. They go to Cyprus from Antioch, all right? And then uh, from Cyprus, they go to Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. And then from modern-day Turkey, they go to Greece, all right? 
So they travel to all of these different places, and they just wander around preaching the gospel and starting churches. Tons of churches. Okay, and they spend about 12 years on these missionary journeys. Now, uh, after 12 years of these missionary journeys, Paul's like, I need to go back to Jerusalem where this all started, check in with the apostles, go to the temple, worship God there, and then, so he goes back to Jerusalem, and then he's like, from Jerusalem, I'm really going to take a missionary trip. Now, he just spent 10 years uh, wandering all over the known world, getting arrested and shipwrecked and tortured, and he's like, you know what, let's really take this in good time. And he says, we're going to go from Jerusalem to Rome in order to go to Spain. Now, in ancient times, Spain was like the edge of the planet Earth, okay? Because you couldn't just fly places on a plane, and if you took a ship, it was like little ships, okay? Traveling was hard, and getting far distances was very difficult. And so for Paul to say that he's going to go to Spain, it's like, what? But his ambition was, he says in the book of Romans, I wanted to preach Christ that Christ is not enough. And where was that in his time? Here, Spain. And so he's like, in order to get to Spain, he's not going to be getting, like, um, care packages from Jerusalem, okay? Nobody's going to, like, mail him a box of shirts and some money from Jerusalem. It's too far. So in order to reach Spain, he's going to need the support, encouragement, financial backing, and uh, leadership, sort of cohort support from this church in Rome. Got it? So Paul isn't trying to just, like, make friends and get Christian famous in Rome. Paul wants to go to Spain. In order to do that, he needs to write a strong letter of recommendation to the church in Rome so that they will send him out to them. Got it? Fun fact, Paul gets arrested in Jerusalem, and the Bible doesn't actually tell us of many arrests. Uh, the ancient churches of Spain claimed that he did. <coughs> all right. Now, let's do a timeline. Can we erase all that and make a timeline that's got seven decades? And two marriages. All right. All right, so the first date on our timeline uh, is the birth of Jesus. Anybody know what date the birth of Jesus happens to? Anybody? Zero? Okay. But here's the real question. Is it A, B, or B, C? All right. Um, all right. I still refer to it as B, C rather than B, C, E, you know, because Jesus. Um, all right, so zero A, B, birth of Jesus. Now, um, what's interesting is the first 30 years of Jesus' life, from zero to 30, he's just being a carpenter. That's pretty straightforward, straight through, right? All right, so on zero, we've got the birth of Jesus. And on 30, we have the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. Right? And it lasts for only three years, from 30 to 33. What's crazy is, like, the most important thing, you know, you have the whole New Testament, most of it, the four Gospels, all takes place in these three years. Now, in the year 33, a lot of important things happen. All right? Jesus died in the year 33. Then Jesus rose again from the dead in the year 33. Then he rose to heaven in the year 33. And then the day of Pentecost, where the church is started, again in the year 33. Right, so you ever take a Bible class and you don't know the answer? The year 33 is a good guess, okay? All right. Um, now, one other thing uh, Jesus does. So Jesus has gone up to heaven, but he appears in physical form to Paul in the supernatural encounter on the road to Damascus. And we don't have an exact date for that. It's 37 to 40-ish A.D. Paul appears to Saul the rabbi on the road to Damascus. Got it? Okay? 
Now, let's talk about Paul for a second. Now, Paul um, has spent eight years sort of in some kind of ancient version of Antioch. We don't know exactly what happened to him, uh, but we do know that some people were trying to help him get sorted out. Uh, he, he needed it. We all do. Um, maybe I should go to Paul first and see what he was doing with that. Um, and in uh, the year 48 A.D., he finds himself in Antioch. Remember the Antioch that we're named after where they sent out these missionaries? That happens in the year 48. Now, from 48 to 59, Paul is traveling on all those missionary journeys, the short distance ones, when he gets to those different places. All right, that's Paul as a missionary. Now, in, in the year 59, which is right there, that is when Paul writes the book of Acts. Because his next plan is Jerusalem, Rome, Paul. So he sends the letter going this way, and then he leaves on a ship going that way. So that the letter will get to Rome before he does. So there's introductions going, hey, okay? So that's Paul. Now, if we really want to understand the book of Romans well, we're going to need some history about the city of Rome. All right? We're going to need a little bit of Roman time. Now, um, the year 33 is a good good guess again, right? What, what is something important to them? The year 33. All right? So Jews from Rome who had been in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, by the release of this gift of speaking in tongues, had all heard the gospel. That's like 5,000 people were saved by this. Tons of them had come from Rome to Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. And they went back to Rome and started churches there. Most of them were observant Jews who went back. But they started to gather with Gentiles as well in the city of Rome. So, 33 A.D., the beginning of the church in Rome after Pentecost. All right? Now we get into some bad news here for the Antiochian church in Rome. All right? In 49 A.D., the Emperor Claudius, can I get my Emperor Claudius slide? 49 A.D., the Emperor Claudius expels all Jews from Rome. Boo! Boo! You can always recognize Claudius because his statue is the one where it looks like he did something bad. Um, he wasn't just pale in real life either. All right. Emperor Claudius expels the Jews from Rome. Boo. But a couple, years they can, a couple years later, they can all come back. Like, you know, eight, nine years later. Yay. Okay. But when they come back, they're taunted. And this is an important thing to remember as you read the book of Romans. The Jews had all left. That meant for a period of time, all the Christians in the church of Rome were ethnically non-Jewish, Jewish. They were Gentile. Gentile is the name for non-Jewish people. All right? So all the Gentiles are there doing church without the Jews. And then the Jews are able to return to Rome, and they're like, hey, what have you guys been doing while we're gone? You all need to be circumcised. You all need to, to stop eating pork and follow the Jewish dietary customs. And you guys need to follow all the other things written in the law of Moses. You need to look at and think just like us ethnic Jews, right? And these guys have just spent nine years loving God, trying to follow Jesus without the stuff, and so they have a major conflict. Are you seeing that? So these topics of circumcision, ritual, um, ritual laws of the Jews, and Jewish dietary laws are a major piece of Romans, right? And they get at the framework for dealing with conflict in the church. All right, here's another one. Uh, these are some other dates just for you to keep in mind. This is one of the reasons we're so sure that the book of Romans was written in, written around 59 AD. It's because some really, really bad things happened in Rome right after that. All right? Uh, can I have my Emperor Nero slide? All right. Yeah, this is the Emperor Nero. He, he's some scientist reconstructed as a dude with a mullet. 
Um, you can remember him that way. <laughs> All right, Emperor Nero was bad news. You thought Claudius was a nice guy. All right, the Emperor Nero started the first real persecution of Christians in 64 AD. All right, if Paul made it to Rome, he probably would have been persecuted. Um, you know, it wasn't just a you all have to leave like it was for the Jews earlier. It was like a full-on, you're brought into the Paul team and slaughtered in front of the Senate in, in 64 AD um, after the city had been destroyed. Now, uh, well, I'm going to put a bracket here. The reason we only need to do 70 years of church history for the early church is because something awful happened in 70 AD that's worth remembering. In 70 AD, the temple, right? Remember the temple built by Solomon for people to worship God? In 70 AD, like the, the Jewish people rebelled against the Roman Empire, and the Romans conquered the city again, and this time they leveled it. They completely flattened Jerusalem, and they destroyed the temple. Bad stuff. It's never rebuilt to this day. And so when that happened, the center of Christianity stopped being in Jerusalem, where it was on that first diagram, and it moves across the ocean to Rome, which is the capital of the planet Earth in 70 AD. Does that make sense? So that's why Romans was such a critical place. Uh, that's why Rome, Rome was such a critical place in, in the New Year's celebration, okay? Um, all right, so that's our thank you, Michael. I appreciate that so much. That's awesome. All right, so those are a couple of pieces of, of information, right? That was information. Like, you know, like the date of 70 AD for the destruction of the temple. Doesn't, doesn't that destroy you with love for God? No, I don't think it does, right? Maybe... I don't know. I can't think of any implications. All right? But information like that helps us understand what we read in the Bible. And when we understand what the, we read in the Bible, it informs us to live God's way and to know God. All right? So let's, let's give it a practice run, okay? Let's read through or work through Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. All right? And... Um, We'll just we'll read through it, and then we'll begin to, to apply just some of these simple things, right? This information we've got, and we'll connect it to things that are in the text here. All right. All right, so it's this. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we receive grace and apostleship to call the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his namesake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all, who in, who, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his representatives. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Christ Jesus for all of you because your faith is being recorded in Scripture. Amen. All right. Now, I'm actually going to go through these passages. I'm going to bring in some insights that come from the information I have. But I'm going to do it slowly. All right? Our scripture says I go slow. I have a lot of tenderness of my heart, and I'm going slow. And, uh, right, uh, you can't, like, those of you who use Voxer other than messaging, I know you're pressing that button that makes it play three times the sound, right? So that it sounds like Alvin and the Chipmunks are leaving you a voicemail, okay? I understand that you do that. With the word of God, don't do it. At least not this Sunday, okay? 
and servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, and set apart for the gospel of God. Now, what are the connections we can make? This calling to be an apostle, that was the supernatural encounter with Jesus, right? It's connecting to that. It says, God called me to minister to Jews and Gentiles. Now, look at this next verse. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. This is like a little bit like him coming in and be like, I'm a crazy Jewish believer. I see you. All right? He's like, I'll get you the prophets. Let me into the Holy Scriptures. All right? He's, he's making a connection with these Jewish believers. Regarding the son who has through his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power. Oh, I love this part. By his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we receive grace and apostleship to do what? To call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. Now, why does he say it that way? Well, it's because the Jews and the Gentiles were having a fight about whether or not the Gentiles have to obey the heavenly law. And Paul's like, let's go ahead and write it out. To call the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith that has never fallen. And he's saying what, what they're called to is obedience to Jesus. And he's beginning to wade into these discussions about which verse to write out. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God called to be apostles. Right? This is not just this is, this is another message for all the Jews. Like you are called to unity across these ethnic lines because that is how you are to be a single people, a holy people. You tracking with me? And you see how as we slow down, we can begin to tap into the deepest things that God's put in these ancient lines. Man. Um, so let's do a couple things as we kind of bring this to a close. Love to invite the band to come up. And I'd love to invite, could someone grab those bookmarks and start putting them in people's hands? Right? I like bookmarks as a learning aid because they imply you're going to read the Bible. You know, they're just not that great for anything else. Um, uh, right. So <laughs> here's the deal. I want you to engage with the book of Romans this summer and all summer. Right? The way I want you to do it is up to you. Engage with the book of Romans in a way that will be exciting to you. Uh, engaging to you, right? Some of you guys are just going to get up and read it. And we've broken it down. You guys look at the card. It's like 10 verses a week. And if you do the weird math, that's like one and a half-ish verses a day. Anybody can read one and a half-ish verses a day. It's probably like Gotham Bible or something. You know what I mean. Um, but that's slow enough that you can try to memorize it. That's slow enough that you can, like, think creatively about how to engage with it. And here's some other things. Street Life's audio Bible has a great book of Romans online. You can put it on in your car. You can put it on your headphones on the bus. You can put it in your ears at traffic stops while you ignore, ignore all other human beings around you. Okay? We know you do that at traffic stops. Um, here's a couple other things. You can study the Bible one verse at a time, and you'll get through all of Romans. If you do one day a summer, if you do a couple verses a day, every summer for the rest of your summer, if you get all the way through the whole Bible. Just write it out. What does God say here? You know? Um, and so I used, right, remember I put on my little teacher hat. I used to be a teacher. I taught third plus fifth grade. Let me tell you a truth about third plus fifth grade. 
they cannot learn anything by reading it or having someone talk about it. It's zero ability. And you know what else? Neither can anyone else. If we really want to learn something, if we really want uh, if we really want learning to go deep in our heart, we have to engage with it in physical form, with our voices, with our eyes, with our bodies. And let me give you an example of this. If you're a singer, you can sing a song. If you're a writer, you can write some kind of a writing piece. If you're an artist, you can paint something. You're a sculptor, you can sculpt something. If you're an architect, goodness knows what you will do, all right? If you're an accountant, God help you, okay? I want you to use creative means to engage with what you find in the book of Romans. Because if you read it, it will be just like everything else you read. But if you read it and put it into practice, if you read it and engage in it, if you read it and try to teach it to your children, if you read it and try to memorize it, oh, man, something will get going. That grilled cheese will start heating up on the grill. You hearing what I'm saying? That hunger for the word of God. Can you put up my chicken sandwich I made for you? If we use the creative gifts that God has given us to engage with scripture, the same feeling will come over you. Not the exact same one. All right? I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to step into the joy of the Lord. Actually, you know what? Let's do one more thing. Everybody close your eyes. Now shake it out. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath. Consider what means of creative expression God has given you. Everybody just take a deep breath. And we're just going to think about this. Just think about this. God, how would you want me to use my creative expression to engage what is in the book of Romans? anything, God, we want to know you. We want to know your ways. We want to know your face. Would you speak to us, God? Would you engage with us in the book of Romans and bring us into the joy of the Lord this Pentecost Sunday as we put our eyes on Jesus? We love